This is the Shift Podcast. Thanks for checking out the Shift Daily Podcast. And on this episode, we play the Compass Quiz and get to learn more about the newest member of the Shift family. That is producer Corey LaTondra. And since Brendan Kelly hasn't actually played this before, we put him through the ringer as well. Plus, which James Bond theme song is the most iconic? We share some picks in preparation for the release of No Time to Die coming out on Friday night. And finally, are you okay with bad haircuts? How about... Animal love. All that and more on this episode of the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Uh, I promise we're going to do the Compass game, so let's do it. We got a few minutes here. Um, I'm going to start with Corey, if that's okay, Brendan. We're going to keep you waiting here a little bit. Oh, that's all good. Because the Compass game, for those that don't know, it's very simple. It's something that I did with Toby Kerr, by the way, our news anchor, uh, ho- hosting the, the the show, keeping us up to date with all the news stories that you need to know. He's going to be letting us know all the things every hour on the hour. That's the one and only Toby Kerr. But I've also done this with Sophia Pirani, done it with Catherine Garrett. I've done it with a whole bunch of our news anchors because while the anchors are great at what they do, we don't get a chance to really learn about who these anchors are. So I did this thing called the Compass Quiz where I just kind of asked them a series of questions uh, related to... Where is the farthest north that they've ever traveled? East, south, and west. And you just kind of get to know them because they can explain with context why and when and where they went. So with that all said and done, Corey, are are you feeling ready? Like, I didn't tell Corey about any of this beforehand, by the way. Uh, Just kind of caught him in deer in headlights mode because I think that's the best way to get authentic responses sometimes. So I hope that's okay with you, Corey. Totally okay. Let's rock it out. All right. Starting with North, because you got to look for the North Star, right? Corey LaTondra, a new guy on the show. Uh, where is the furthest North that you have ever traveled? It can be in Canada or it can be international, just oh, furthest North. It most certainly would be in Canada. Mm. I honest, I don't even know where it's not. It's not very North. It is like... That's okay. Kamloops? Like that, like we've never gone... Higher than that. Have you driven to Alberta f- using the number one highway? When I was a child, we took a family vacation to Winnipeg. Oh, using so, the highway. I'm assuming so. I don't well, know. I was in a van and was five. Well, then in that sense, you've already beaten Kamloops. Because if I'm not mistaken, and I don't have a map in front of me, but as long as you follow the number one, if you get up to like places in Golden, Golden is technically further north than Kamloops is. Well, there we go. There you go. So, so. I don't mean to take your answer and just reject it, but I just wanted to know for clarity because not everyone realizes these things. But uh, that's a good answer. We'll just put golden as an answer. And 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 maybe if there's anything else uh, along the number one highway and on your family trip, we'll accept that. But that takes us to question number two. Where's the furthest east that Corey has ever traveled to? Now, using an atlas east. So if you went all the way to Japan, technically that's east. All right. Well, in that case, it's so much better than the north for me. It's mm. less embarrassing because I have, in fact, been all the way to Japan. Oh, look at that. You nailed it. I didn't even know that. Uh, which part of Japan did you go to? And, and what was this all about? We, uh, a friend of mine went, was had just announced in our you know, friendly group chat, we've all got him, that he was going to go to Japan. And he said, hey, anybody want to go? Right. And I thought, you know what? I had, uh, was in between jobs at the time, had some money in my pocket and mm-hmm. said, yeah. Let's do it. Let's go to Japan. So a couple months later, 
boom, there we were. Wow. That was awesome. How, so how long were you in all of Japan for? Like uh... We were in Japan for three weeks. Wow, that's that's a great trip. It was. It was long oh. enough that you felt like you got to actually go and see some stuff. What was your favorite thing to do there? My favorite thing is there was this Anthony Bourdain episode where he was in Japan and he was in Tokyo and mm-hmm. he went to this robot cafe Oh, thing! It's like this rock and robot show when there's colored, lit up robots. And Is, are, are the bartenders and servers? They're all robots, right? Or am I mistaking this location? Not. Here? I don't think so. It was just you bought tickets and you crammed into this small theater with like little. There was bench seats on both sides. Interesting. And it was like three different acts, and it was just these wild, on huge like parade floats, almost oh, wow. coming in and out and interacting with each other. It was awesome. Wow. That, okay. That sounds pretty damn cool. Uh, I've never been to Japan. It's something that I've always wanted to do. See, the thing with going to Japan is that it is expensive. And I'm not talking just the flight, but if you're spending time in Tokyo, even for a single night at a, you know, at, a, at like a, one of those pod hotels, it, it's not cheap. So you, you have to budget properly. I'm assuming like you you know you worried about that or you had money saved up anyways for for a trip like this. Yeah, we had the had the money tucked away. You know, luckily we live in Vancouver. Yeah, we know what expensive is sure. to stay anywhere to live here. So going over there, it was the same. Fair They're enough. All good. All right. So there you go. So for furthest north so far is Golden. Furthest east would be I guess uh, I don't really know Japan inside out, but let's just say Tokyo. Tokyo for the sake of convenience. Uh, furthest south that you've ever been. Furthest south, I'm gonna. I, that's gonna be Cuba. Went to Cuba for a friend's wedding that they could not attend. Okay, uh, Havana. Yeah. Very nice. I've never been to Cuba either. Would love to go. It's a Cla- lovely place. Classic cars, kind of stuck in the past. We won't have to go into the specific details about why it's stuck in the past, but I think everybody kind of knows by this point. Uh, the one thing I've heard about Cuba is that the food is kind of underrated. What did you think about like the, the cuisine? We- well, for the most part, we're eating in a in a resort. Fair. So Not, you get, you're getting resort food sure. most of the time. And spices are a little harder to come by down there. Yeah. And so some of the food, a little bland. It was great. I didn't mind it. I'm not going down there for the food. Fair I'm going enough. down there for some fun in the sun. You're going there for the rum. Let's be totally honest here. Exactly. Yeah, okay. It's a wedding. I, I got what you're saying. Uh, final question for you, sir. The furthest west you've ever been. Furthest west? You know, it's... This game's a little harder when we're on the West Coast. It is. How much more west am I going to go? Yeah. I've been to the island. Sure. Uh, Victoria would be the farthest west. You I've never gone. You, you didn't pull a Trudeau? Go over to Tofino? No, I didn't. I wasn't in dire need of a vacation that bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. So Victoria, Victoria is pretty darn west. We want to learn more about Brendan Kelly, you know, the man behind the board. We don't really uh, get to know or learn too much about Brendan, and I feel like that's a shame. So we continue this edition of the Compass Quiz. Mr. Kelly, mm-hmm. you just heard what uh, Corey had to go through. So let's just okay. jump yeah. right into yeah. it. Uh, what's the furthest north that Brendan Kelly has ever traveled? And I know Brendan Kelly is a well-traveled human being. Yeah, I want to say North uh, Fort St. John, oh, British Columbia. What brought you to good old Fort St. John? I was doing a corporate improv gig. I was a sound guy. Yeah. And we did a gig for um, oil uh, pipeline builders, which How? who all lived in Fort St. John. So at their party, right. they ordered uh, an improv show. So, How yeah. are uh, oil rig guys for an audience? Because, you know, the, the beauty <laughs> of improv is that so much of it is built on audience interaction. Yes. Right. Yeah, they liked it a Probably a little bit more 
adult in blue than like uh, <laughs> some other offices that ordered corporate improv shows. Like, fair enough. Yeah, fair yeah enough. it was fun. I went in June, so oh. I I did really experience how north it was in mm. the fact that um, it was midnight and uh, we were done our gig and we were at like a Boston pizza or something, just having dinner, and it came out and it was still like pre sunset. Right. And it was midnight. I had the double take when I looked at my phone. I was like, wow. And it never did get fully dark. No. At all. Yeah. And this was this was like right at the around June twenty first. Right. And like um even getting up at uh like waking up at like four in the morning felt like ten in the morning. It was like full on morning. Yeah. yeah. See that's the thing. I, I have a few friends that live in the Yukon and also a few friends that live in Alaska and some of the photos that they share you know, just beautiful, beautiful scenery. But I'm like, where's all the night photo? Oh, yeah. right, right. And then the locals told me that, like, in December, um, you're looking at, like, a 10.30 in the morning sunrise and a 2 o'clock in the afternoon sunset. Yeah. So you got a very brief period of daylight. It, it works very quickly. I yeah. mean, it just kind of shifts, boom, uh, without even realizing it. So there you go. That's an interesting tidbit. All right, uh, moving right along with the compass quiz, furthest east that you've been to. Uh, I'm going to have to go with uh, Thailand on that one. That's pretty east. That's pretty east, yes. Uh, I mean, Thailand's a big country. Uh, I only really know Bangkok. Yeah, well, I guess I had a layover in China. Ah. Is that technically, does that count? I never left the airport. Okay, if you didn't leave the airport, I'm not going to count. Okay. Because, you know, you had to have an experience there. Yeah. That's just waiting around. Yeah, just was waiting around in the airport. Okay, so, like, outside of the airport, then Thailand. No, I guess maybe even Indonesia, Bali. Australia, I guess, technically is even further east than Thailand. Yeah, so, I don't yeah. have a map in front of me. I really yeah, don't. Yeah, I guess the Gold Coast of Australia. There you go. Yeah. yeah, all right. And how was that? Because I hear it's a, it's a very popular uh, hippie destination. Yeah, it okay. was very hippie. I'd <laughs> say it was very hippie yeah. for sure. Yeah. How many ukuleles? There's tons of ukuleles. Like, of course. Long haired dudes playing ukuleles on the beach is right. basically what it is. Oh, there you go. Selling you things they probably shouldn't be selling. Uh, would Australia count as the furthest south you've been then? Yeah, that would be the furthest south too. So that would be like Sydney. The Great Ocean Road in Australia, which is just slightly south of Melbourne. Melbourne. Uh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And and did you ever by chance venture into like that that really hot, dry middle of Australia? Did you ever venture into the, the, uh, the no out, out, the outback? No, the never outback. to the outback. It. Um, it's funny because things work opposite there. Where when you drive north, it gets warmer, and you drive south, it gets colder. Right. So, yeah. It is. It is kind of a weird experience. Um, the hottest I experienced was. Darwin, as the locals say, Darwin. 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 Was, uh, I couldn't even find a coffee. No one would sell me hot coffee. They're like, no one drinks hot coffee here. It's 40 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> Ice coffee, right? Yeah, yeah, I was all iced coffee. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, I mean, you know, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. You know, uh, sharing our experiences as a, a Vancouver-based show, that's where this show is at least broadcast from, uh, we do get a lot of Australians coming to places like Whistler. Oh, yeah. Whistler. We oh, love yeah. our Whistler. Yeah, Whistler. And uh, they are just, you know, very, very friendly people. Uh, very, very love uh, the fact that, you know, they, they come here, they appreciate the mountains, and they just love being in, in the West Coast. So uh, nothing but love and respect. I, I think we do have one or two listeners in Australia, if I'm not mistaken. So we say, uh, good day. Good day, mate. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, last question then. The furthest west that you've been. I guess west would have to be the island because we are pretty west here. We so are I pretty guess west. Victoria, I guess, is as far west as I've been. Oh, so you've, you've also not been to Tofino. No, I've not been to Tofino. Mm. I would like to go to Tofino. Win the election. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to keep ha- like hammering on yeah. that. I'm sorry. It's just, it's, it's, 
it's not even funny, really. It's it's more somber than anything, but I mean, it, it is what it is. All right, uh, there you go. The Compass Quiz there with uh, Brendan Kelly. It seems like Victoria Island is going to be a very popular answer for when it comes to like the furthest west you've been. I would count Hawaii because technically Hawaii would be like the it's furthest the west that you can I've go. Never been though. I haven't been yet. Yeah, me neither. Corey, no, nothing, no. No, sadly not to Hawaii. No uh, alohas for me. No alohas. No alohas for many of us tonight. It's too bad. It's too bad. The thing is, if you're thinking about going on a vacation, Hawaii is expensive. And if you're saving up money to go somewhere warm, Mexico is calling and it's so much cheaper. All inclusive. Uh, I digress. Uh, I'm only just making myself hurt as I think about uh, all the warm places that we could be right now. As I report, it's uh, currently 10 degrees in Vancouver. This is the Shift Podcast. All right, uh, without further ado, we've been talking about the secret agent conversation, some music to do with that. So without further ado, allow me to introduce to you the secret agent here on The Shift. My name is Bond. 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 James Bond. I admire your luck. Mr. Bond. James Bond. Who are you? Bond. James Bond. Good morning. My name's Bond. James Bond. Solitaire. My name's Bond. James Bond. My name is Bond. James Bond. Can I help you? Yes, my name is Bond. James Bond. All right, I think you've heard that enough by now. It is James Bond, the one and only 007, License to Kill. Now, if you couldn't make out what that whole thing was about, kind of a montage. We didn't get through all of it because it's kind of repetitive at this point. But that iconic line, the name's Bond, James Bond. And you've heard it from so many of the iconic actors who have taken on this particular role. Uh, Daniel Craig, of course, the most recent uh, rendition of Bond, as they would say, the gritty Bond. Uh, there's Pierce Brosnan. There's Roger Moore. There's so many iconic Sean Connery, right? Like the list goes on and on. But this Friday, after lengthy delays as a result of COVID-19, production issues, and a whole bunch of other nightmarish uh, headaches that happened within the production process, No Time to Die, the most recent addition to the James Bond saga, will officially be released in the United States and across Canada. It's the last James Bond uh, portrayal by Daniel Craig, who I have to say, Craig has done a bang-up job ever since they kind of reboot everything and introduced him to the franchise. They wanted to go grittier. They wanted to get away from all the, uh, I guess, gadgets and toys that made James Bond almost unbelievable and almost cartoonish. And they wanted to make a more realistic, uh, toned down, vulnerable version of Bond that I think Daniel Craig managed to portray very well in over, I guess, the 10 years plus since he eventually took on that role. But before we get into the discussion of who should be the next James Bond, because I think there's always some solid candidates out there. I'd like to take you through a musical journey of James Bond theme songs. And there have been some very iconic ones, starting with my personal favorite, The World Is Not Enough by Garbage.
I love, love this song. This is your personal favorite bo- uh, Bond theme, it is. eh? Now, the theme, the uh, soundtrack version, has a little bit of a different bass line. This one, I believe, is the album version that Garbage also came out with, maybe separately or as part of their release. So they added a little bit more rock to it. But the theme song, The World Is Not Enough, it, it was it was the perfect blend of like sinister, um, spooky, with a little bit of like hope. And the lyrics are kind of haunting. Uh, I, I never heard a ton of Garage's work, but... I can't get away from the fact that her voice is like it's it's iconic in the sense that James Bond theme songs have to just they have to stand out. The moment you hear the first 10 seconds, it has to be clear as day. This is a James Bond song. And I think this song did that from the first second to its last. Like it just it held. And throughout the years, um, I, I keep going back to it. Like whenever I'm in the mood for, I guess, something spooky or sinister, I'm just feeling that. I got to go and search up this song because I, I think it just works. Yeah, it is. It's very garbage, uh, and I'm a big fan of garbage. Yeah. actually, to be honest, fair so, enough. Yeah, I do. I do like it. Um, I, uh, I it's the first time I've ever heard anyone say that it was their favorite Bond theme, though, because it's very alternative. So, uh, like a lot of the Bond themes are very, you know, done by very, very popular that's pop right. artists. That's right. As we will get into here, but uh, yeah, so. Uh, I'm stoked. I I like it. It's one of one of my favorite. Mm. Uh, it's one of my favorite. My favorite is not on our little list though. Okay, fair enough. You can elaborate in a few moments when we get through the list, Corey. Like, did you have any thoughts about the world is not enough? Uh, I I don't know if you ever watched that particular James Bond film, but it's it's if I'm not mistaken, it was the second to last Pierce Brosnan appearance as James Bond. I'll be honest with you. I'm not. I like the new, I've seen all the new Daniel Craig, right. James Bond movies. From Casino Royale onwards. All the way yeah. to, and I'll see the new one when it's in theaters. I'll be out there. It's coming out soon. There you go. It might already be out. Friday. This Friday. This Friday? Yeah. Excellent. I'll be there. I'll be in the theater, popcorn in hand, ready to go. Old James Bond, I know Pierce Brosnan was James Bond, mm-hmm. and I know Sean Connery was James Bond, but I could tell you nothing. Never seen him. Oh. Is there, is there is there a reason as to, like, because Daniel Craig's version of Bond, like I said, was supposed to be gritty, realistic, vulnerable, more human more than anything, whereas the James Bonds of old felt like always indestructible to a sense. Like, is that what maybe turned you off, or is just a personal thing? I think it's just a personal thing. It's mm. it's the older, it didn't come out when I was alive. Like, well, I was alive when some of them came out. Sure. But it just, I don't know, never struck me as something I need to watch. Should I? Am I missing out here? Well, it's an iconic franchise, right? When you think about nowadays, like the Fast and the Furious, like the kids these days will grow up with like 10 versions of the Fast and the Furious. Uh, I guess before that, uh, if you want to consider the big box office successes, like there's Marvel's, the the, uh, Avengers, pardon me. But before any of those major franchises came, like there was James Bond. Because it stood the test of time. Decades and generations could go on. Uh, and, and, you know, when you become a parent, eventually you could tell your kids, be like, hey, this James Bond was different than the James Bond that I grew up with. Like, it's just been around for so long. It seems iconic to me like that. That's fair. You know what? Yeah. I'll, if you give me a shift heads, text in what you think the best one is. Which one should I watch from the old Bonds? Mm. I'll give it a go this week. There you go. It's got some homework if you uh, equip our producer, Corey, with the appropriate kind of work. Let's see if you can get him to uh, watch one of the older James Bonds. Moving on with this music montage, uh, let's bring you a song that I think everyone will recognize from the one and only Adele. This guy falls when he crumbles, 
When James Bond movies are released, as Brendan was saying, they often go for the biggest stars in music at that time because this franchise has that legacy. It's supposed to be one of the most iconic film franchises around. And so they have the cachet, they have the money, and often the musicians themselves, when they get the invitation from MGM or whichever company is in charge of Bond at that time, they get excited and they want to be all about the production. So Adele at that time when Skyfall was released was undoubtedly the biggest star on the planet. Tasked with coming up with the uh, performing the, the theme song for Skyfall, she did do a great job. To me, it's her voice. It's, it's just iconically Adele. But it just didn't feel like Bond to me. It just felt like an Adele song. And there's nothing wrong with that because she's so talented. But that's where I separate why uh, Garbage was so good. Because Garbage, it felt like a James Bond theme song. Whereas Adele's Skyfall felt like an Adele song. If Maybe I'm just being too picky here, though. No, I can agree with that. That It does feel straight up like an Adele song. I mean, I think the first time I heard it, I was unaware that it was actually associated with a James Bond film, to be honest. Right. And I wouldn't have guessed that just based upon hearing. Because it. Adele, yeah. you know, she has some faster tempo songs, but most of her work is slow tempo, very emotional, uh, very, you know, difficult to sing along to. And when I heard Skyball, I was like, yeah, that's that's just trademark Adele. It didn't scream James Bond. No, I, I will admit I've seen a lot of the older James Bond mm. movies. I haven't seen a lot of the newer ones, to be honest. Fair and enough. I will admit, does that Skyfall fit the theme of that movie? Does this theme song fit sort of the feeling of that movie? Maybe? I, I, I will say it probably does fit because, uh, you know, without spoiling too much on that film, uh, that film is really about bond being at his most vulnerable really okay. well, then. Yeah. and so this you know adele when you're talking about the word vulnerability adele just kind yeah. of works yeah, we've all had a late night cry to some adele right <laughs> definitely now when i tell you that james bond the film franchise often goes for some of the biggest stars in music this next example should be oh, yeah. very clear as to how they managed to obtain that The one and only. Now this is very Bond, yeah. Yes. Now this one has that immediate, like it's the, it's the the brass, the brass. Yep. It's the sophistication. You know, Tina Turner. First of all, I mean, yep. iconic. Uh, Goldeneye for a lot of people was the rejuvenation of a franchise that was kind of on its way down. And I think Pierce Brosnan really stepped in to the role seamlessly as James Bond, because with Goldeneye, I think it just worked. It started that reinvigoration of not just the character, but the entire relevance of that franchise. And they needed to make a splash and they, they really had to go and, and get something done. So Tina Turner with Goldeneye just, astoundingly successful within Europe. Now, Alan Cross did a whole deep dive on all the GoldenEye theme songs. You can check it out uh, for yourself online. It's online with Global News. Uh, Tina Turner song, this particular rendition of GoldenEye, wasn't entirely successful in the charts in North America, but was massively successful in Europe. I'm not sure exactly hmm. why that is, because I thought it would have been the other way around. Yeah. But, you know, Sometimes, I guess, things do surprise you. Uh, moving along, how about this? The most recent edition of the James Bond song. Now, as mentioned, the movie's coming out on Friday. This song has been released already for quite some time now because it was originally supposed to be the film that is released a lot earlier than it's going to be. However, this is the, 
I suppose, upstart young talent named Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish with No Time to Die. If you go and see the film uh, this Friday night, this is the song that will eventually come up with the title introduction, the sequence that they always throw into every James Bond movie. Look, Billie is good. And I don't want to sound ageist, but I feel like hiring somebody that young to represent a franchise this old just it, it doesn't work for me, and and maybe this is just me now in my thirties, and I'm like ah, uh, you gotta appreciate the old schoolness, but I'm also just not the hugest fan of Billie Eilish. It's very moody. It is moody, it but is so is she. Moody. Yeah, and, and she's moody too. So it makes me wonder if the film, which it wouldn't surprise me, mm-hmm. all action films these days and hero films are very moody and dystopian. I don't know if it's just a product of the age we live in, but uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if the film. And the feeling of the film sort of followed the feeling of that song. Fair. And Corey, like you're you're in your thirties, you're you're in my age group. So, what do you know about Billie Eilish? And do you think this works as like a James Bond theme song? No time to die. Like, I'm not the biggest Billie Eilish fan, but she's obviously very culturally relevant right now. Yeah, I don't know a ton. I know the I know the popular Billie Eilish songs, like Bad Guy. I know what the radio is. Yeah, I hear music. Uh, but young, it depends on, I guess, the flow of the movie. How's the movie feel? Mm. I've got nothing, nothing against having a young artist come into the song. Adele wasn't super old when she Skyfall was out in what 2012. Adele sounds right. 33 now. Right. So almost a decade. Early 20s. Billie Eilish is what 19 or 20 or something. I think that's right. So yeah, it's pretty much the same. I think ah. you're just an old man. I am an old man. I, I feel I feel it in my bones. Like I, I am getting older every day. It's factually correct. But I don't know, uh, Brandon. Like you said, you had the iconic James Bond song. Yeah. What What, what would your pick be? So, okay, so I just looked it up. Actually, as far as the history goes for James Bond songs, uh, Duran Duran, "A View to a Kill," is the only James Bond theme to go number one on the top on Billboard Hot 100. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. It's very Duran Duran. Yep. And it surprised me that it, this is the only one to go number one. Out of all of the artists that they've gotten, I like this one because it's very 80s. <laughs> it is very 80s. Slamming that synth. Oh, yeah. Well, it's supposed to be the brass. Yeah, that's right. I like it. It is surprising, but I, I suppose it works considering the era in which those films came out. And in the 80s, there was a lot of hype for spy movies, right? Because uh, technology was improving very quickly at that time. I, I mean, at this point in the James Bond franchise history, you know, we're talking lasers, we're talking rockets, we're talking all these gadget-based James Bond that, again, the James Bond of Daniel Craig's era wanted to move away from. But in the 80s, like, everyone loved talking about rockets and lasers and shoulder pads. I think that was still a thing at (laughs) that point. Yeah, shoulder pads were definitely a thing in the 80s. Exactly. So I I think it might have worked in that sense. Culturally, like, Duran Duran just made sense. Yeah. And it, it is surprising, though, that it's the only one to hit Number one in the Billboard charts. Yeah, I was shocked when I read that. But I mean, like Durant Duran were in their 30s and the 80s, so they were the hip, hot, new thing of the day. Fair. Yeah. Fair. This is The Shift Podcast. 
R-U-O-Ks. Roberto, by the way, uh, not a big fan of cookies, so decided not to vote in this uh, little election of ours. Are you okay with bad haircuts? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... (laughs) Oh, the audience Mm. is well aware. Fair enough. Yeah, they're well aware. Um, I'm not really one to judge, to be honest. No? No. I appreciate when anyone does anything with their hair because okay. I'm envious. It, it, fair enough. You pull off the look great, though. Like, it, it just works. Um, but may I say, like, if you see someone with a bad haircut, you're not, you, you, like, if you're just walking along the road and you're like, da, 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 and you see something that's just, hmm, you don't go, hmm? <laughs> you don't stop and just, like, do a double take? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just, like, good for them. They, okay. can, they can do that. Okay. I appreciate the fact that they're trying something. Like, I mean... Fair enough. Try it while well, you still can. That's what I say. It is one of those inaudible statements, right? Like, this is who I am. This is who I present myself to uh, to the entire world, right? And, and, and to that point, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Corey, uh, are you okay with bad haircuts? Like, if you see someone with a funky do, do you judge them? I'm going to, you tr- you want to pretend like you're a good person. And you're mm. like, no, of course not. But you see someone with something crazy mm. and automatically inside your head, inside voice, of course, you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> never out loud. Of course not. I'm not a monster. I would never walk up to somebody and be like, hey, hey man, okay. what's with the hair? Okay. All right. I, I appreciate the honesty. Always honest. Because I think there's more people like Corey than there are people like Brendan. And and maybe I'm just you know becoming bogged yeah. down in life, and I'm just starting to to lose faith. But uh, I suspect Team Corey in the, in the sense that you know, are you okay with bad haircuts? There's people look, people judge all the time. It's okay, it's fine. Just keep it silent. Just don't share it, right? Don't be a jerk and be like your hair sucks. Just don't do that. You're allowed to think things. It's fine. Just don't share it with the rest of the world. To that extent, though, when it comes to bad haircuts, I can't judge people. I, I, I really can't because I've had so many bad haircuts myself and I know what it feels like when somebody's like, you look stupid or you just, you didn't care about how you look today. Were they good at the time? Like, were they of their time basically? Let like, me explain. Okay. Cause in high school, every year I just, I, I had these phases. Like I literally was the guy that hit every phase growing up in high school. So like grade eight, I had bleach blonde hair. I was wearing a 76ers Allen Iverson jersey. I had a FUBU chain around my neck, and I was wearing. Wow. Yeah, I was wearing like uh, I don't even remember the shoes, but you know basketball shoes, and I yeah. and I was not good at basketball. I made the grade eight basketball team uh, on the simple fact that I was like tall-ish. I was like five foot ten or eleven at that point. So that that's the only reason. Uh, I was just I was a straight up poser. I should not have ever been on that team. Grade nine, I had a perm. I'm not afraid oh, to admit it. I okay. had a perm. Wow. Korean. Wow. My mom yeah. convinced me that it would be a good idea. It's what the, all the cool Korean kids are doing yeah. these days. Tried it. Hated that. That, that was awful. And it just, it's, it's a perm. It stays. So it stands would, for permanent. Yeah. You wouldn't yeah. go back? It, would, it, you, no, no you, I would never. You wouldn't do the I would never. Uh, grade 10, I had pink hair. Oh. Because I was going for red. And then red fades to pink when you take showers. And then it just stayed pink. Like fluorescent. It was, it was quite obscene, uh, but I stuck with it because I'm like, I, I've already done so much damage to my hair with all these dyes and perms. I, I, I can't just... Yeah, you'll end up like me. Yeah. yeah. You don't want that. It just falls. Yeah, yeah that'll happen. 
uh, as I got older, I, I went back to black and then I grew it out like Keanu Reeves in the replacements, just like Shane Falco. It was, it was past my shoulders at one point. Wow. So I, I've had so many different haircuts. I had, I had a bowl cut shortly after the long hair session. Uh, somebody called me Spock and I, and I lost hey, it. I would take that as a compliment. I, I should have back yeah, then, but like wise, it's high school and you're like, live long and prosper. You're insecure, you know, yeah. you just want to fit in and that terrible haircut of mine. So, uh, all this to say, uh, I've had haircuts, I've had bad haircuts before. Uh, well, are you okay with bad haircuts? Well, you know how sometimes when you go for a haircut, it doesn't turn out quite the way that you'd like it to. Uh, what do most of us do when they ask how it is? You smile, right? You nod. And Corey would say, that looks great. That's awesome. You grit your teeth. You lie because you don't want to butcher them and their confidence. Well, apparently that wasn't an option for a mom in Boston after she sent her son to the barber to get cleaned up before his senior photos. She hated it so much, she called the cops. Straight up called 911. Inside Edition has the story. Check this out. What happened next was a he said, she said dispute. You went Look at that. Wasting my day. Look at this whack job. Can you tell him to get away from Not, my face? No, I won't. I spoke to the barber, Robbie Rocco, of Bonehead's Barbershop in Norton, Massachusetts. And he asked for a number two. So I actually stopped and I, I just told him, I said, a number two is really short. And he said, yep, that's fine. And I told him again, I said, are you sure? The barber says the 17-year-old asked for a number two cut. The whole entire haircut, the kid never gave me any vibe that he was upset. He, we talked the whole haircut. We talked about his school. After it was done, he said the kid tipped him five bucks and left. About 20 minutes later, she comes in the shop. It, it's way too short, like, like streaming. She wouldn't let me speak. What did you think about her calling 911? I thought it was absolutely outrageous. Look at this lady wasting my day. Although the barber admits to using a few curse words with the mom, he says he never threatened her. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so a couple of wrongs in this particular story, right? Like, don't call the police. Don't jam up a 911 emergency line for a bad haircut because you're you're dissatisfied with how your son looks. And number two, what, what can the police actually do? Like, let's say cops arrived and they're like, hello, we're here. We're here to help. Protect and serve. What can we help you with? My son has a bad haircut. I need you to arrest this barber. Like, what? Come on, that's not going to happen. What are they going to do? Like, ask him to reattach the hair? Uh, Get a refund? Maybe at most you'll get a refund. At most. And, And even then. Even then. Everyone knows when you go to the barber and you're unhappy with your haircut. Like, that's it. I'm sorry, man. Like, you should have done your research. You you yeah. should you should have done your your homework. I think the best course of action would be to go on Judge Judy or some kind of television court show to settle it. To be honest, I could see this being yeah. a Judge Judy yeah. thing, right? Yeah, and then Judge Judy would be like, oh, "I'm looking at you right now. Your hair doesn't look that bad." Yeah. In fact, I think you look kind of handsome. Yeah. And then gavel, right? Case dismissed. Yeah. Throwing it out, and that would go into like one of their best of episodes. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, this is just ridiculous. People will call the cops over anything. You know, there was a power outage. In, and, and, look, this probably happens all the time. But a power outage outage happened here in the lower mainland uh, last year. Severe windstorm. A bunch of, uh, you know, power lines, unfortunately, went down. That meant the intersection, the red lights were blinking. And people had no idea how to handle a four-way stop. 
The Vancouver police had to issue a statement asking people not to call 911 because you don't know how to work a four-way stop. Stories like this just boil my blood because these emergency personnel are supposed to be saving lives. They're supposed to be, you know, apprehending criminals. And you're tying down their services because you don't know how to work a four-way stop. You're not happy with haircuts. Like, what's next? And I think most people don't realize they have a non-emergency line. They do. Which I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even suggest calling, you know, the non-emergency line for a bad haircut. That's but right. at least you're not tying up something, you know, exactly. life-savingly important. Exactly. So uh, if you're thinking about calling the police because you had a bad haircut, uh, don't. Just don't. Just, just don't. Just don't. Just say, uh, I'm leaving you a bad review on Google. Like, that's pretty yeah. much the only option yeah. you got. Probably the most sensible one. And even then, people will be like, well, that's kind of a you problem. I'd say just appreciate the hair that you have. There you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's move on here. Uh, We'll make this one as quickly as possible. Are you okay? Are you okay? With nature. I I can't read the real title that producer Corey wrote for me here tonight. It's it's too obscene. Mm -hmm. Are you okay with nature in the sense that when you watched the Discovery Channel and saw animals doing certain things uh, in the the cycle of life? Natural world. Yes. Yeah, the natural world. Well, the natural world needs to go on and, mm-hmm. and be the natural world. So sure. I, I say live and let live throughout the animal kingdom. Okay. Uh, and Corey, like late night Discovery Channel back in the day, you're, you're good with that? Yeah, sometimes you gotta, they got to do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. <laughs> you know? Thank you, Bloodhound Gang, for the, the lyrics that will never go away. Uh, are you okay with animals doing animal things? Uh, I mean... I don't have a problem. Like it's it's Mother Nature. I can't I can't disrespect Mother Nature, Mo Nature, as, as we call her uh, in the neighborhood. No, I got nothing wrong with that. Uh, but does anyone remember the B movie, the movie that featured Jerry Seinfeld, the voice actor for a bee? Do you guys remember watching that? Oh I re- yeah, I remember of it. Yeah. I didn't Great watch movie. it. I, I, I got to admit, I, I, I didn't watch it because I just wasn't hooked. I was like, it's a B. It's Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> like, I, I, no, no thanks. Well, uh, Jerry Seinfeld was recently on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, wanted to apologize for what some have described as a bit of uh, sexual tension between the B and his human co-star. Take a listen here very quickly. And then I make a movie with a B and... and uh, <clears throat> You know, all those things take time. And I apologize for what seems to be a certain uncomfortable, subtle sexual uh, aspect of the B-movie with really was not intentional. So Jerry Seinfeld says, sorry, it's just bees, flowers, but none of that in the actual movie. Jerry Seinfeld, you're still gold, Jerry. You're still gold to all of us. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.